Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tow I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy, never think about the drop Never, ever, ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT Show. Just watched uh, Liverpool annihilate. Absolutely annihilate Bournemouth in it. Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. That was that was a proper taming. And, and Liverpool didn't even play that well. Ugh. Ugly stuff. What a weekend. I, by the way, I have not seen the West Ham VAR highlights. We'll talk VAR today. I'll tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. I'll tell you what I think VAR has done to set itself up poorly. And um, yeah, uh, that'll be it. So good weekend. The Premier League is just unplayable, right? So I left at 2-1 in the West Ham game. Had to go to the shops, innit? Had to go to the shops. I like to do my shopping late evening on a Sunday. Get to the shops. They're closed. Anyway, Story for another time. Shout out to Woolworths closing an hour early on a Sunday and not announcing it. But anyway, it's going to happen. Anyway, left it 2-1. Come back. It's 2-2. I mean, I'm looking on the app. And it's a red card and an Ollie McBurnley bloody, what, 97th minute? Did he score? Incredible. Kind of like uh, Mo Salah and Egypt. Credible scenes. Credible. Speaking of which, I wasn't going to talk about this. Why is Corne playing for West Ham and not Ivory Coast? I've watched Ivory Coast. They're terrible. And don't tell me it's because he's not playing for West Ham. They, they have no dynamism or juice up front, Ivory Coast. Like, at all. You can't tell me there are three better forwards than Corne. Now, there may be something I tried to look a bit earlier on the Google machine. Like... Did he fall out of the manager? Is he has he been found found with real ivory tusks in his bag? And he's somehow trashing the history of the country, you know, bringing up trauma from uh, the good old slavery days. What is happening? Why is Corne starting for West Ham, but he can't get into the Ivory Coast squad? I'm not saying he has to be in the team, but he can surely be at Afcon, and they need him now because they they're in. As the Spanish would say, El Trabolo. I'm not sure that's Spanish for trouble, but I would imagine it's El Trabolo. I don't, I don't know what trouble is in Spanish. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, maybe someone knows. Hit me up in the DMs. MKT inspires. Why is Max Corner not at AFCON? What are we doing? What is actually freaking going on there? What a game. What a league. What a time to be alive. The English pre- English Premier League, mate. Absolutely magnificent. Remember, MKT inspires. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT show. If you want to get into the mailbag. Somebody said, when are you going to do the Springbok future past thing? I'll do it at some stage. I mean, I think it's kind of gone now anyway. World Cup's gone. But there's lots of content. Like the Premier League trolling. You know, let me tell you something. This show is a Premier League show. When the Premier League stops, I'll I'll talk about other stuff. 
and even then, the Premier League's always on. There's always transfers. I'll talk about other stuff. I love the Springboks. I love rugby. But this is a Premier League show. Let's be honest here. Let's be honest here. Speaking of which, being South African, it's a tricky business, eh? It's a tricky business. This country's... <laughs> it's a... You, you know, having been around the world, everyone says, oh, my people are like no other. But purely because of what history has given South Africa at the time it has, and then globalization coming around at the turn of the millennium, you know, with the internet and, and purely e economics. Economics have gone more global than ever. The world is more connected than ever, uh, certainly through banking systems. And, and the idea of, hey, somebody in Taiwan has a buck I would like. You know, uh, iPhones are made in China. Like, like the rise of China as well has, you know, Saudi Arabia now, the, the Arabic states um, joining the rest of the Western world. So purely globalization across the board. When South Africa got democracy and the way it's gone down and where we are in the process, we're a very young country who just, uh, well, while you're kind of going through puberty, we might as well introduce you to somebody who we think you'll marry who's 35 and she's mature. That's what it feels like. We joined globalization way too early, in my opinion, but I'm not a geopolitical expert. However, what I'm saying is South Africa is has so many of its own things that it's going through. We're going through growing pains. It's kind of like, if you can remember when you were 13, and you really, I can only speak from a guy's perspective, and we were going through puberty. I mean, I don't know if hormones and, and that I mean, testosterone is the main one, but there's a few hormones as we're growing that at that stage, everything's a disaster. You know, the girl you like, you saw her kissing someone else or you do like her and it just ruins your day. If you couldn't talk to her or her mom picked her up too early at school, you didn't see her off school, like whatever. But everything's a disaster. You know, at that age, you're so hormonal at 14, 15. You don't know anything. It feels like that's what South Africa is, like a hormonal 15-year-old boy who just can only think about women. And if, he if he doesn't get to talk to the girl at school, it isn't, it's, it's a cataclysmic disaster. You know, that's what South Africa feels like as a country. Just there, there is no six and a half out of 10. It's a one or it's a nine with South Africa. It's just, it's, there is no in between. And, you know, Drikas Duplessis, and I'm not a, uh, let me be very clear, because I know, kind of like vegans um, and feminists, you know, is one of the things about UFC guys. They're just like, dude, how, how come you don't watch UFC, bro? Like, it's the biggest sport in the world. Like, relax, sweet chicks. It's not. It's still not bigger than boxing. It's, it's very famous, and Dana White sold it for like $4 billion. But it's not the biggest sport in the world. Stop saying that. It hasn't taken over boxing. Like, people keep saying this. I'm like, no, I, I've been watching boxing since I was three years old. It's not bigger than boxing. And I follow the economics of sport. Like, I'm a geek for that. It's not close to boxing. Having said that, I don't watch mixed martial arts. Like, it's not interesting to me. I don't get it. But people do. And it, and it's growing. It's, it's, it's one of the fastest growing commercial sports in the world, which is why Fox bought it from Dan White for $4 billion. Having said that, you know, South Africa often feels like it's losing so much. Our brand is so poor, even our self-worth, that when a sports star wins, it's like, oh, you know, we invest all of our joy or horror in them. And Drikis Duplessis made history. He's the first 
um, world champion from South Africa, and he beat Strickland in Canada. What an incredible story uh, for this guy. I mean, the memes have been electric if you're not in South Africa. My favorite one was uh, Drix Duplessis is now number one in the world, uh, but number eight in Boxburg. Um, <laughs> I just absolutely, I love that. You, you know, South Africans are going to go that way. But he's made history. However, having said that, so shout out to Drikus. You, you, he, he, he that guy. He, he that guy. He's, he's a bad, bad man. He's a bad, bad man. I watched some of the highlights. Man, these guys are tough. Those are real tough guys. Like, I know fake tough guys because I tell people all the time, I'm not a tough guy. I'm not. I'm like, I don't even like to pretend to be. You know, you know how some people, some dudes like to pretend like they're tough. I am not a tough guy. You know how I know that? I know tough guys. I have tough, I have tough guys in my family. I've, when I lived in Russia, I made friends with some like really tough human beings, like, like unbreakable human beings. And those guys are tough guys. Like I know two Marines, these UFC guys, these boxers, you know, I know tough guys. Those guys are tough guys. Not these fake tough guys on Instagram. Those are real tough guys. There is no running away. Like rugby's tough, but these guys, five minutes of that. Five, 25 minutes of that. How do, like, heel to the shin for like two and a half minutes of it when you're exhausted is, I mean, I've bumped my shin on the couch like six years ago and I still remember it. And I've, like, I equate it to what women must go, go through in birth. I just think, oh my God, never again. Like, I would do anything. I would sell my family into slavery rather than bump my shin on the couch in the dark again. These guys have that happen, that level of pain happen, three minutes of the five for five rounds. Those are five minute rounds and they do, they do that five times and they just keep coming and they, they, were, they were slugging right until the end. I mean, you saw both of their faces. I'm just like, holy smokes, this sport is, it's a warrior sport. That boxing is, those are true warrior sport there is nowhere to hide you are in the arena and the cage is locked behind you and good luck in there and i mean you don't need luck these are these are fine finely tuned martial artists experts absolute masters of what they're doing but bloody hell at the end of the day like take the showmanship away these are these are warriors hey these are serious dudes like strickland's a serious dude drikus is a serious guy that is to say this, I think as South Africans, we should be petitioning not to stop wars, not to like, don't worry about all the other nonsense. Don't worry about potholes. Don't worry about load shedding. We should never have Bafana Bafana play on the day that we make history. Like it should never be possible again for Drikis Duplessis to fight on the same day as Bafana Bafana play. Like Bafana Bafana shouldn't be allowed to Put a, put a game on. They should have to move their game if it's on the same day. Um, I'm recording this on the Sunday, uh, the 21st of January, which was the morning. In South Africa, it was the morning, right? <clears throat> so it was the morning of the 21st uh, at around 7 a.m. I didn't wake up. I didn't watch the fight. I don't watch UFC. But it, I, I'm just giving you the timeline. Bafana Bafana will play tonight. It is 9 o'clock now. They'll play in about an hour. Um, will I stay up? Absolutely not. I, w I would rather be executed by um, a firing squad 
than and survive it. Actually, I'd rather be shot by a firing squad, survive it, be fed to the crocodiles, and survive that as well, than watch Wahanavana and stay up. Like I, I will not do it. But for South Africa's morale, I don't think Bafana Bafana should be allowed to play a game on the same day as the Springboks and Drikas Duplessis. And in fact, anything where South Africa achieves on the day moving forward, like any team where we've got hope, like later this year, I'll be going to a little event called the Olympics. I mean, we're not very good because it is what it is. But... When we have, like, our swimming team usually does well, we shouldn't allow Bafana Bafana. In fact, in the whole of September, just in that whole August to September window, I think it's 14 um, August to 14 September, just don't, do not, sorry, 14 July to 14 August, don't allow Bafana Bafana to have a fixture at all, just in case somebody from South Africa does something. But definitely do not allow Bafana Bafana to play when the Springboks play or Drikas Duplessis fights. Because we don't need that polar opposite of excellence versus moomishness. A bunch of moomishes. If you're old like me, you know the moomish of the week. Uh, It used to be, I think, was it was a weekend? Or it was was Rob Marawa, eh? Hilton guy, no no big deal. Another Hilton guy leading, leading from the front. Um... But yeah, th- those are my thoughts. Do not allow Bafana Bafana because they're going to lose to Namibia tonight. They're, they're going to lose to Namibia tonight. And they have the country, I mean, it goes Kaiser Chiefs, Pirates, Bafana Bafana, right? And then the Springboks. Like, I love rugby, and I, I you know, but let's face it, uh, like, like rugby is for, you, you know, it's for, the, it's for the elites and the causes and, and those acts. It's growing, but it's still very much a niche sport, you know. You know, the causes like myself, obviously, if you're closer, if you don't know, because of black people, do not, rugby is not the first thing there. I mean, uh, sorry, football is not the first thing in the Eastern Cape. It's rugby, boxing, cricket, athletics, and then football. Football in the Eastern Cape is not a thing, by the way. Certainly not in the homelands, um, maybe in the cities, but those aren't real closers anyway, so... You know, like Port Elizabeth and East London. Those are fake fake causes anyway. Anywho, that's what I'm saying. Bafana Bafana should not be allowed to play on the same day as the Springboks and Drikas. Shout out to Drikas Duplessis. You know what I hope for him? Like, I don't know his management team. I don't know if he's with like the Mikey Schultz and those guys, you know. Shout out to Mikey Schultz. Hey, yeah, yeah. No, those are, those are guys I don't want to ever bump into again. Um, But if he is with them, like, I just hope he's got his management team sorted out. I saw his old man. Oh, man. Well, wasn't that great? Like, if, if, you, if you're alive and you've got a parent alive, isn't there, is there anything better than achieving your potential while your parents are alive? And it's not just about the money, right? Like, imagine if you're a parent listening to this, seeing your child get a degree. Like, I'll never forget the look on my mom's face. Um, bringing home that. Just seeing your children achieve their potential. You know, especially for mothers. Like, mothers don't really care how much money you make. Like, I, I know people kind of label things that way. But your mum, she's the one person, in general, 
you know, no, not everyone's mum's what my mum is. But but in general, mums are the ones, you know, when guys screw up, generally kids go and live with mum, right? They're, they're, most of the time. So your mum doesn't actually care how much money you make. She just cares, are you going to reach your potential? I just want to see you in your element. Imagine being Drickus's dad. I was so happy for that. I saw it on the highlights. I thought, oh my goodness. It, it doesn't matter what Drickus does for the rest of his life ever again. Let's just say Drickus loses all his cash, loses everything, falls apart, is a heroin addict. Doesn't matter. His dad was alive to see him achieve the height of human potential. Whether it's investment banking or UFC. Like, as a parent, I mean, I don't have kids, but as a parent, oh, I've seen the look on my mom's face, having been a bum for most of my life and achieving a little thing. I saw the look on my mom's face for that, you know, which was a piece of paper. I'm like, oh, I don't even care. I don't even go to graduation. It's not that big of a deal. Like, I'm the, I'm the lowest achieving academic in my family by some way. Now, some might say, chemistry degree, not bad. I say, well, you don't know my family. Chemistry degree is essentially being able to add one and one in my family. Anywho, not the point. The look on my mom's face, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the look on my mom's face. Because she never thought I'd get a university degree. Uh, uh, and I don't think she never thought I I didn't think I would. If you knew me in my 20s. Oh my goodness. If you knew me in my teens and 20s. So that's why I was, I'm so happy for Drickus. But on top of that. I hope his management team. Makes him a multi-millionaire. In fact, Drickus, don't come back. Because no, like in South Africa, maybe somebody will pay you. But just stay in America and go on every single talk show and rake up all of the dollars for the, for the next six months. I don't know how it works in UFC, how long um, Dana waits until he, he puts the next fight together. But I hope he makes four or five million dollars now as the champ. Just put him on every cereal bowl. Where, wherever he can get the money globally, go and milk it, Drikas. Go and milk it, brother. Credible story. So happy for him. And... You know what? As a South African, I'm like, hey, that's what happens when people try. We we could be that if we tried. And I'm I'm not a patriot like a patriot. I'm not. I'm not that guy. Like, let's get behind it. I'm staying. No, I'm not. I'm not that guy. I, I'm not. I'm, I genuinely do. I love this country. I love what we've got. It's hysterical to me. Um, it's given me everything I've got. So, you know, I do. I, I'm a dutiful person. I do believe in duty. You know. So I do have an element of duty to give back purely because the soil gave me what I've got. Whether I like it or not, that's not the point. That's not Duty isn't about what you want. I like duty. I'm not saying everybody should be dutiful. I, I've got an, I was raised by a dutiful family. So I do feel a sense of duty to South Africa in some sense. But I'm not like a patriot. So I'm not saying I'm proud of Drikas because, oh my God, my heart just bleeds. Madiba, like it, it doesn't, no, no, it, it doesn't, but I'm a South African, I dig it, I'm happy to tell people that, I love the people of this country, and I'm very proud when people come from this country knowing the absolute shambles we are compared to, you know, other places, and we're not sad as we've got the potential to be as good as Switzerland, but when you see guys over do it coming from here, no state sponsorship, no no one 
no organizations that are serious about this and taking it to that level. You got to go. Oh my goodness. So happy for him. Happy for his parents. Bafana, Bafana, you are terrible. Please. Could they not just show the result tomorrow? Like maybe Tuesday. Just black out the result. Doesn't matter. Like we'll just find out on Tuesday. Let's celebrate Drikas because tomorrow now people are going to wake up on Monday. So it's Sunday night as I record this. They're going to wake up on Monday. Bafana Bafana have lost by about midnight South African time. And that's going to be the hangover. So which is why Drikas even more just stay in America. Not because we don't want you back. Milk the money. So however long it takes to make three, four million dollars and then come back and we're going to fill up um, Joburg Airport. I mean, I'm not going to go. I, I, I don't I don't follow UFC. You know, I don't follow UFC. I didn't go. I didn't even go for the spring box. Oh, wait, I wasn't here. I was in Paris. No big deal. No big deal. Oh, I, I, I was I was actually in France. France and Paris aren't the same thing. They are in some. You know, Paris is France, but France is not Paris, if you know what I mean. Or it's not just Paris. If you know what I'm saying. So, but I like, I don't go to the airport. I know people love that. But people are going to, for Drikas, now, what I love about it as well, he's like, he's proper Afrikaans. Right? And South Africa, for all of its, hey, let's just get over it, has not even started getting over it. You know, the apartheid. But Oaks are just behind him. Like, people are just like, oh, I'm South African, he's South African, he's excellent. Just for a moment. Which is why sport, for me, is the best. It's, it is just, there's nothing like it. It's just like, oh, that's excellence. I'm South African, he's South African. For this moment, I am excellent. That, that's what's going on, I believe, psychologically. And it doesn't matter your creed, uh, color, gender, disp- disposition. It doesn't matter um, for those five rounds. And Drikas has done it. So, milk the money. Don't worry about Bafana Bafana. Please, nobody must post Bafana Bafana in the morning. Don't post them. Don't be sad. Don't don't give it. Just let the news cycle on the Monday run about Drikas. And then on Tuesday, we can get back to all laughing at Bafana Bafana. How useless they are. In the words of modern-day poet Figi Lembalula, bunch of losers. Man, Drikas Duplessis. Wow. Hello, what, are Oaks, what are Oaks saying? Hello, Vietni, what ons isni? Or something like that, eh? Like, I, I don't like, I wasn't caught up in it. I, I, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm doing lots of stuff. There's Premier League and there's, there's this and there's that. Incredible. Shout out to Drikas, man. I'm, I'm so happy for that guy. I am so happy for that guy. All right. Um, man United got a new CEO, which seems to be a big deal. I don't really know why. Um, you know, like how much say is he going to get? Are the Glazers going to all of a sudden hand it over? I, I know the commercial side is their job and they're just going to let Ed Woodward run the football side of things. Uh, 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 sorry, uh, uh, Sir Jim, Ineos, not Ed Woodward. He's gone. He's done, any. I don't get the hype. Like The guy worked at Barcelona when they had probably the, the greatest generation of footballers of this generation. Right from Ronaldinho until the Messi-Iniesta era. And then he's at Man City, the wealthiest club in the world until Newcastle came along. That, and he came eight years into the project when it was perfect. I'm not saying he's not brilliant. 
you know, um, he's been given credit for the Jack Grealish deals, the Haaland deals. So, so this is a man who gets it done. You know, he's had tremendous success commercially and apparently he's just one of those guys. But I'm going, do any of us actually understand the, the job that has to be done at Man United or are we mucking about here? Like, do they think just getting a new CEO is going to get rid of a decade of mediocrity? How many CEOs did Arsenal run through? Three, I think. Three or four, huh? That up until Vinay, who they've got now, because it was <laughs> unbelievable. Because it was Hillwood, he was the guy with Wenger, huh? and then they went through like five or six. It wasn't five or six; it was like two or three. Then they landed on Vinay, and well, here we are. It's been terrific. I mean, Vinay took some time as well. Like this new guy mustn't think there's so much mediocrity to get rid of. Before he gets to perform his executive function, he's going to have to do a full, like, run through the club. He's going to have to audit the whole of Manchester United. From the academy to the playing squad. Because, by the way, one of the things when you make mistakes. So, I'll tell you something my father used to say. He said, making mistakes, and, and, and Warren Buffett has a better version of this. Right, uh, Buffett has a way better articulation of, of this. But my dad used to say, mistakes are not the problem. Disasters are the problem. You can make mistakes. Mistakes are fine. Don't have disasters. You know? Do not have disasters. So when Chelsea are humming, you can have Fernando Torres. doesn't really matter. Because they still went on to win the Champions League. In fact, the double that very year, the Champions League and the FA Cup, and another Champions League, and you, you, you know... Because the club was so well run. And, and Chelsea under Roman didn't really have that many disasters. You could probably count them on one hand in terms of like complete and utter disaster signings. The problem with Man United is that they've spent a decade having Schweinsteiger and Di Maria and Pogba and Harry Maguire, you know, Paying Rashford, I don't know what we're doing there, and Bruno Fernandes, and Lindelof, Eric Bailly. These are the things that have been happening. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, these are absolute... Like Aaron Wan-Bissaka for 50 million in a world where Carl Walker is about 35 million. And they say 50 million, he wasn't 50 million, by the way. But in a world where Kyle Walker, let's just say, is 50 million, they reported 50 million, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka is 50 million, you, you've got to say to yourself, what a disaster. In a world where Ruben Diaz is costing 40 million and Harry Maguire is 80 million, in a world where Kevin De Bruyne is 50 million and Angel de Maria, like 10 years ago, is costing you 70 million. In a world where Erling Haaland is 50 million and you're spending 80 million on Paul Pogba. These are the like these are disasters. That's what Man United still have to undo and Arsenal have a halfway through the process, right? I don't think Man United fans realize and I said at the beginning of the season, let's say they get started now. They were, they can't get started now, they'll get started at the end of the season. They're still 5 years away even if they are magnificent for the next five years, they're five years away from competing. 
Because before you can get excellent, you've got to get rid of the bad habits. Because one of the things that happens is mediocrity is so dangerous. Is that it sets in. At Manchester United right now, mediocrity is deeply embedded in the club. So even within the academy, you must remember they've been watching a first team for a decade that has been, on average, the fifth best team in England. Can't have it. Listen, it's not, it's not like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that Chelsea and Man City are producing the best youngsters in England. Because that's how you produce the level, right? Is if you want to get in the first team, that's the level you've got to hit. That's why the great players come from Bayern Munich and Barcelona's academies and Real Madrid's academy. Like, this is not a surprise. And I get that successful people think they can just do anything. Right? In, in war, they do have um, a term when, I forget what the term is, but when generals start to win too many wars and they start to believe that they're now unstoppable, it's like it happens with successful people. They think, oh, I'm the smartest, I'll just go and fix it. Like, do Man United realize that you've had a decade of being horrendous? I, I, I don't mean bad, horrendous. Like, disastrous for a decade. What were you doing giving Ole Gunnar the job? Why are you firing Jose Mourinho? How are you paying £80 million for Harry Maguire? Like, can somebody explain that to me? Can, can somebody... But, but that's been a constant, right? Man United, Jaden Sancho, I, I cannot believe they paid £70 million for him. Anthony has been, and a lot of the disasters are in the team now, by the way. It's not like uh, you've spread them out now. Now you've got Bruno Fernandes, Anthony, Jaden Sancho, Harry Maguire, Lindelof, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. They're all in the team now. I'm starting to think Luke Shaw's a bit of a disaster of a signing. By the way, he's missed over 60% of the league games he's been, uh, he's been at Man United for. Over 60%, Luke Shaw. That's a disaster. I'm sorry. The greatest ability is availability. And anybody who listens to the podcast knows I love Luke Shaw. I think at the, I think he's the best left back in Europe. Every six minutes when he plays. He never plays. But when he plays, you've seen what it is on the left. Even Marcus Rashford looks good. Because Rashford doesn't need to drop. Because Luke Shaw just uses his BBW to, to ensure that... <laughs> Luke Shaw's got that big body... But he's so fast. He's so fast that I think it tricks professional players. Because he looks, honestly, he looks like a hooker, like a high school hooker. And I, I don't mean a prostitute. I mean, like a hooker in rugby. You, you know that round body shape? He looks like Bongin Bonambi, except Bongin Bonambi's negative percent body fat. And Luke Shaw's all of the fat. He's, he's all of the fat. He's very fat. But the other thing about Luke Shaw is he's so athletic and fast and his timing's brilliant you know he's never like sliding around and making last ditch tackles his positioning's outstanding Luke Shaw's always in the right place look you, you know that's how I tell the great ones like Alessandro Nesta Franco Baresi if you're a little bit older but but nobody's ever done it like Maldini Maldini used to have clean shorts after the game it's just like there's no need for last ditch tackles first of all Maldini probably the greatest defensive athlete you've ever seen so he was Gareth Bale before Gareth Bale. 
Like people don't realize that Maldini, number one, was two-footed. But he was like at 800 meter, just run all day, pace, power, and, and that frame. You've seen it. He can play right back, left back. So Luke Shaw has kind of that, you know. Like he's just always in the right place. Now some people might say it's because there's a lot of him. He's, it's impossible for him not to be everywhere. But, but that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is Luke Shaw's a terrific player. He just never plays. He's another disaster. Or Nana, I'll let you decide. Why did they get regular? Where's Malasia? What is going on at this football club? And they think a CEO is going to solve their problems. Unbelievable. Love to hear what you say. I'd love to hear what people think. Like, is this what you should be fixing? But I said it before. Ineos are going to come in with their own guy. I think Ten Hag's gone. Not because I think, it, I think you shouldn't get rid of Ten Hag because the manager is not the problem. But successful people like to win with their own team. And these guys are going to bring in their, new, their own team. Like, I think he's gone. So you can expect Conte, Nagelsmann. Uh, there's a lot of great options out there. I, I could even see Potter coming in. I, I read an article a couple of days saying Potter. But they will come in with their own team. You saw what happened to Todd Booley. And the thing about billionaires is they don't really take feedback. If you're one of the richest people to ever live, because trust me, if you have over $100 million, by the way, in fact, if you have $10 million, you are part of the club of the richest people to ever live. Now, the, even within those echelons, Sir Jim is, I mean, he's Britain's, he's arguably Britain's richest man, depending what you believe about Ineos's uh, reports. He never takes feedback. Tell me what to do. I've been successful wherever. Any chemicals you're buying around the world has been developed in an Ineos factory. They are, they are just so big. He's so successful. He, he doesn't want to win. With, in fact, one of the things about successful people is it's not I want to win with my own people. I'm not losing and, and I don't have the, what, what, they, what they call a locus of control. They want to exercise a locus of control. I'm not going to lose and then have excuses. I want to take all of the glory and if we lose, all of the responsibility. That's what they want to do. They don't want to leave things to chance. Eric Ten Hag is in big trouble. Huge trouble. Ginormous trouble. So, and you see at Man United, I don't think it's going to make a difference. N- not in the immediate term. I don't care. Do you know what? Man United could actually make five sensational signings. It's not going to make a difference. That's not how you win. The only club who did it, right, was Chelsea. But Roman Abramovich was very unique. You know, that kind of person is so unique to be a catalyst on that scale. Like, that's never happened in the history, I would argue, of, of football. Where a guy came in, not only did he bring the money, but he's such a strong personality that he's ensuring that the excellence is now. Like, it, there was no transition period. There was Ranieri for a year, and then Mourinho, and then it's, it, it, Chelsea have never looked back. And without him, it's been quite clear that, my God, what type of... And this is what you've got to do to win, right? You need the authoritarian thing. I know people like the synergy thing, but if you want to win at that level, you do need to be Elon Musk. Like you, you just you can't be waiting for feedback because one of the great things Sir Alex Ferguson once said is if you allow, if you give people a choice to take the easy route, they will take it. 
So you cannot create that room for mediocrity to seep in. And my point is, even if Man United make 10 great signings now, like let's just say they will Haaland, you know, Alfonso Davies, uh, and they get Gnabry, and they get Goretzka, and they get Vinicius Jr., you know, and they get Kimmich. We've seen this before. We've seen at Real Madrid, they had the Galacticos, by the way. They had them. They had them at their peak. That's not how you win. There is no winning principle at Man United right now. However, however, although I'm saying they aren't going to win the immediate but it's the right thing to do, right? Is they need to, number one, pacify the investors. You must remember Man United is the biggest sporting company in the world. The investors need to see that Ineos are serious. They need to see that this investment isn't just muck about. So this is great for investor confidence. So it'll settle that side, the commercial side of things. It's like, okay, here's a guy who came from Barcelona. Here's a guy who just came from the most successful football club in the world over the last five, six years in Man City. And he helped build it. And he was the head of commercial and head of transfer. Okay, so that means the prospects are good. Now let's come back to the football side of things. You can't fix it in a year. You can't fix it in two years. You know why? When you have disasters is you're going to have to somehow figure out how to turn over Bruno Fernandes, maybe Luke Shaw, Aaron Bissaka. Who's going to buy these guys? And what you've got to remember is when you bring people in, you know, the presumption is all the players are going to work. No, 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 no. No, it's not how it works. Because you don't have Pep Guardiola having built on top of an eight-year evolution of a club, building excellence across the board. The systems of support just are not at Manchester United right now. And, and systems, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, take time to build. And even if you build the right system straight away, you know what you have to do with human beings. Here's the tricky part. You have to get people to believe in systems. That's the tricky part. If you haven't read a book called uh, The Principles of Scientific Management, if you're in project management leadership, I I would highly urge you to read that book. In the past, the man was first. In the future, the system will be first. Systems take a long time to implement because human beings are complicated things. Especially well-paid, highly spoiled human beings called footballers. That's why you need Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, Carlo Ancelotti, Klopp. People say... Why can't why can't why doesn't Eddie Howe get a chance at Man City? Because he's not that guy. <laughs> By the way, to get these millionaires to buy in and to get in line, why do you think it's fallen apart at Man United? Alex Ferguson was that guy. <laughs> he was that guy. He was at Glasgow, right? And he was at Manchester United. He didn't. Alex Ferguson didn't get successful at Man United. He already had his winning principles. Go and look at his history, right? At Aberdeen, before he came to Manchester United. He, he won a European trophy with Aberdeen. Aberdeen. He had winning principles before he came to Man United. Took some time at United because there were a bunch of losers then. Took Fergie four years. But once he got his principles in, in-house, got rid of the nonsense, got his people in-house. Come on now. 13 trophies in 20, 13 titles in 27 years. Come on now. Come on, guys. So Man United know how it goes because they've been here before. Ask Sir Alex. 
It was, by the way, I keep saying Man United is not Man United. People must be clear. It's Alex Ferguson. Because before that, they weren't successful. So Man United are actually back to default settings right now. I mean, the Busby Babes was the 50s. You got to remember that. It was Fergie. You must be very, very careful as United fans to think we have some divine right to always win. You weren't always those guys. So now be patient. It's going to be another four or five years and I'd love to know what people think. You see you. MKT inspires. MKT at the MKT show.com. That's the electronic mail. If you want to get in the mailbag. All right, every Monday, I tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. So I made some predictions and um, I'm right and I'm wrong. You know, I'm right and I'm wrong. Happy to admit it. Um, a divine figure. You know, humility personified, people are saying. Uh, again, as I walk in the street, the women and children yell, Mr. Humility, Mr. Humility. And I say, settle down, women and children. Settle down. That's what I say to them. All right, here, here's where I was right, where I was wrong. Uh, where I was right, Arsenal won 5 0. They're third in the league. Relax. They, 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 they're, they're between the third and the sixth best team in the league. They won 5 0. Relax. Calm down. Calm down. Arteta, relax. He's doing a great job. He's a young manager. Uh, you're a football club that's about halfway through fixing the problems of the past before you can be successful. Arsenal have two or three years to go. They're well ahead, ahead of the curve. Arteta's well ahead of the curve. He's way ahead, ahead of where he should be in terms of his progress. He's doing an amazing job. And as you see with Havertz, not every signing works out immediately. So you've got to give him some time to do some growing pains because everybody else in the league gets paid as well. hey? So while Arteta's improving, everyone else is improving. Everyone has money now in the Premier League. This isn't the Man United days where they're, only, they're the only show in town for 15 years. Everybody's got money now. Everybody's in the big bucks. Everybody has internationals. I was right. Arteta uh, doing a brilliant job. Where I was wrong, Devald Brevis, he's not that guy. He, he's not ready. He's that guy, but he's not ready. They, they call it a sophomore slump in America. I texted a very famous uh, cricket writer and journalist, and I said, what's wrong? And he said, yeah, every man struggles, even A.B. de Villiers in the second year. And I said... That's what I thought. He said, you're a liar. I said, no, I'd actually said he's, he's going to get a sophomore slump. Uh, 28 runs in five innings in the SA20. Devil Previs, he's going to have to do a little bit more work. He's not ready, but he's that guy. But I'm wrong. I expected him to be massive this season. Explode onto the scene. Him and Stubbs, I thought, would be those guys globally now. Um, I was wrong. Where I was right, Diego Jota is him. I put him in my fantasy team. I didn't captain him, which is very annoying. Two goals and an assist. Um, versus Bournemouth, absolutely tremendous. This guy, Jota, is the best short guy at getting up for a header one-on-one with big defenders I've ever seen. For a short guy, he's absolutely incredible there. You know, he's a dirty bastard, but at that level, you need to be. You've got to be able to look after yourself, is what our coaches used to say, at that level. But he's a proper player, um, and I put him in our fantasy team. I was dead right. Uh, Where I was wrong, Shamsi... Again, I judge a book by its cover because he's got uh, that BBW body. Again, if, if you listen to the podcast, you know I've got no time for sportsmen and women that are out of shape. It just makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't know. What are you doing on a Tuesday morning? It's your, if, you, if it is your full-time job, why are you not in pristine shape? Anyway, not the point. Shamsi's got that body. But he's one of the most unplayable white ball bowlers I've ever seen. In T20 cricket and in um, ODI, he's unplayable. 
because you know what's incredible about him so he bowls left arm leg spin back in the days when you could do racism they call it a left arm chinaman bowler but you don't call it that anymore because we're in a better time now uh it is a left he's what you call a left arm leg spinner and he's a left arm wrist spinner so usually that style of bowling is very loose because it's a very difficult spin a difficult technique uh, kind of why you never see a a world-class leg spinner at all in fact wrist spinner that's a leg spinner you you very rarely see any wrist spinner usually uh, the most accurate guys are finger spinners but the left arm uh, leggy is so rare because it's such a messy um technique right that it's such a high high level technique being a wrist spinner is just one of those things that you, you never see just because it's so difficult it is so difficult to be a leg spinner and accurate and particularly a, a, a wrist spinner and be accurate we haven't seen one since Shane Warne right Stewie McGill was all over the place bigger spinner than Warne but just couldn't be accurate uh, so couldn't play Shamsi is unbelievable he's unreal he's the second best ODI bowler in the world or white ball bowler in the world behind Keshav Maharaj so I was wrong there Shamsi he's that guy T20 he's just been absolutely unplayable I mean They've just absolutely smoked MI uh, Cape Town at Paul Royals um, as I as I do the podcast. Where I was right, rugby is too complicated. There, there, there's just so much going on. Nobody wants to go to the stadium. Just have six teams in the Curry Cup, please, and go back to Super Rugby. Now, I know it won't happen for commercial reasons. The pound is much easier. Travel time is much easier. Uh, the players get... But, but, but this format sucks. Northern Hemisphere teams suck. Like, I, I watched like 15 minutes the other day. I'm just like, this is terrible. This is terrible. The, the Northern Hemisphere rugby players are so lukewarm. I, I want to watch... I, I just want to watch an Australian with a name. Wangarongi, man. Oh, man. But forget the Aussies. Like, we've got to play the All Blacks. The, like, we know what time it is. That's where rugby is played, guys. Rugby is... The second best level of rugby is played in New Zealand. The best we know. It's right here. Why do we? Why don't we have a Premier League mentality? Let's just build it and they'll come. We should. Do, why isn't the Curry Cup the Premier League? Like rugby's rugby's big problem is it's too romantic. Stop open up for sport. Like I, I imagine having, I don't know. Imagine imagine having, Burton Barrett at the Bulls. Why can't we have that? Just build it. Make it elite. Six teams, right? Screw everyone else. Six teams, go back to six teams, get rid of the PE team, they're, they're useless, right? Six teams, let the billionaires buy it and let them turn it into a mini NFL. Like, I want to see Julian Severe playing for the Cheetahs. Well, like, if, if Patrice Mozepe was one of the six billionaires that own it, why couldn't Julian Severe play for the Cheetahs? There's no good reason why it couldn't happen. There's too many teams, there's too much rugby, there's too many tournaments. It's what happened to Super Rugby in the end. Don't make it complicated for the consumer. And now the product sucks. Because I've said it before, Northern Hemisphere Rugby is a joke. Stop being romantic about it. Those guys suck. They're B-grade athletes. Like, so tired of watching Irish people. Like, like when you collect 20 of them, okay, cool. You're going to find 20 good guys to put in your squad. But now you get exposed. It's like, ugh. Oh my god. Like, you guys are so slow. Like, Europeans are so small and slow. Your only stars come from, like, Fiji, South Africa, and Australia. But, but you guys are so small and slow and pale. Hey? I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that. Like, if you watch 
the EPRWC or whatever it is, and URC. Like the stars are all from New Zealand, South Africa, Australia anyway. Just make it Curry Cup. Six teams, strength versus strength, and let's go back to Super Rugby in some form, some way. Or don't go back to Super Rugby, but just give us Curry Cup. like, And, and make URC like the development league. Disgusting. Uh, I was right. Rugby, is, it's finished. Uh, where I was wrong, Newcastle haven't hired Jose Mourinho yet. What are we doing? He's been available for four days. Why is Jose Mourinho not the Newcastle coach? I, I genuinely thought as soon as he got fired, I read it on that morning. I thought, oh, great. Newcastle are going to do the right thing here. The, that Bond villain, Amanda Stavely, is just going to fire Eddie Howe. Cheers, Eddie. Here's your 20 million pounds. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I was wrong. I thought Jose Mourinho would be the coach one. I, I was wrong. Okay. Newcastle don't want to win. I, I, I was wrong. Uh, Newcastle don't want to build the next stage of where the club needs to go. I, I was completely wrong. That is where I was right. That is where I was wrong. MKT inspires. If you want to slide in the DMs on the gram, otherwise MKT at the MKT show, electronic mail. All right. Um, finish off on this. There was some controversy. Even Tony, VAR, back at it again. So even Tony's been uh, suspended for eight months for gambling on games he played in. And in his first game back, he scores in the win in a relegation battle against Nottingham Forest. It was his first shot back. It was a free kick. If you haven't seen it, essentially what happens in in, uh, football now is they put like this vanishing spray. So they like that's where the ball needs to go. And then the ref counts 10 yards. Uh, For those who don't know, uh, like in a radius around the ball, you need to be 10 yards away from the ball um, from from a free kick. So that's if there's a foul or handball or whatever. It's called a free kick in football. And from there, you need to be 10 yards away if you are the opposition team. Only team members can be close to that. Anyway, so even Tony moved the ball uh, a little bit to the right so that he had a better angle to bend it around the wall. Right? And Nottingham Forest have written to Howard Webb and the PGMOL for clarity on the matter as to why VAR couldn't come in. So it turns out VAR can't actually intervene in matters like that. Um, that, that is for the on-field referee. And the referee obviously couldn't see it because he was making sure the wall was 10 yards. But here's my thing. VAR created that problem, not the referees. And it's not even Tony's fault. You know, you know the guy who tells you like how to be a perfect boyfriend or husband when they're in a relationship? Have you ever noticed how nobody cares when they get divorced? Like nobody supports them because when you are sanctimonious and when you are unreasonable. So it's another thing my father used to say to us. I'll tell you a quick story because uh, I do think it's a good one for this. So my father, my sister's a straight A student. Like, and when I say straight A, I don't mean like, oh, there was one B. Like my, my parents stopped paying for my sister for school from standard eight. This is the kind of person you're talking about. So, but I was what you might call a, you know, I was not an A student. I I, I saw somebody being disappointed with, uh, I think, 80% the other day. I was like, I've never even seen 65%, I think. Might be the highest average I've ever got. I was, I'm not an academic. Never was. Not that guy. Not a, a hard trier, but not much going on uh, with the gray matter with MKT. Let's call it what it is. I'm not what you would... I'm not collecting 
a Fields medal anytime soon. Let's just say that, you know. But my father used to say, and he used to, he used to he's not a yeller, but he used to get very upset. And he, he'd come to me and go, you know, I just think it's a reasonable expectation. You've got food. You've got an unbelievable home. Like, it's a reasonable expectation for me to expect A's from you. Like, why aren't you getting A's? So it was a big contention between us uh, since I was young, you know. I, I wasn't I wasn't exactly the most uh, most attentive guy in school. A bit of a bit of a hyperactive kid, you know. So not a good listener. Not not very not very disciplined when I was young, except when it came to sport. Then you had my attention. But I think VAR have set themselves up here because they don't have reasonable expectations. Like that guy who thinks he's he's the perfect boyfriend, he's the perfect husband until they get a divorce. Because VAR is trying to make the decisions perfect, but then they leave the interpretation to human beings. And I don't think you need to be Elizabeth Kubler-Ross to understand that human beings are, by their very nature, imperfect. We all are. So emotional. Every Most of us make decisions emotionally. All of us, in fact. We are all so flawed. We are also prone to bias. We are, we are also prone to extrinsic factors, right? Or, or what the douchebag scientists uh, or, or biologists listening to this would call exogenous factors, right? We don't have a locus of control. We, we, don't have, we aren't stoic in the most difficult moments. Referees are human. So you, you're looking for perfect results, but you're leaving it to the interpretation of men and women. What you need to do then is just take the men and women out of it. Here are the 20 rules in and around what is a penalty. And if it hits your hand, it's a, it's a handball. If he moves it, we have to stop it. But here's the slippery slope with perfection. And it's going to be interesting now with Nottingham Forest. Because if you're going to be the guy that tells me a real man treats a woman like this. If you want to be a real man, listen to me. I'm, I'm a real husband. I'm a real boyfriend. Right? If you want me to empathize when you get divorced, VAR, here's where they are doing themselves no favors. All right? Have a clear set of rules. The slippery slope here is if you're Nottingham Forest moving forward, you'd better never overstep a throw-in by one step. You'd better never have your guys move the ball. You better never dive in the box. You, If... This is what uh, Nottingham Forest want, which is perfection, right? They boo-hoo, we lost. It wasn't perfect. Like, if you watch football, they never take it from the right place. And people say, oh, yeah, but there's the vanishing cream. People, like, freaky takers move it all the time. The ball's never in the quadrant for the corner. I, like, I can't remember the last time I saw a properly placed corner. If Nottingham Forest are going down this route, and the Premier League responds to this, they are opening up Pandora's box. Because now we're talking about complete perfection for everything. If the ball isn't exactly on the penalty spot moving forward, right, and I lose to that, if I'm Arsenal, I will complain. Like, I will write to the league and say, excuse me, this wasn't perfect, and you did it for Nottingham Forest. That's where what they call precedent is so important. So if I'm Howard Webb, you should burn this letter from Nottingham Forest. Like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? He moved it 30 centimeters. Well, what are you crying about? Like, 
your goalkeeper must save the ball. And the wall must move. Like, he moved it a little bit. He didn't move it a meter. And by the way, you're allowed to move the ball a little bit. Like, the length of my body when you fouled me, where I landed, I'm 178 centimeters. So I've got, I'd like to give you a radius of one, of two meters to move the ball, I would say. I would say that's a completely fair thing. If you follow me and I fall left or right, it's not going to be exactly where you kick my ankle. It never is, by the way. It never is. Where the, where the ref gave the foul is probably 50 centimeters from where it happened, half a meter. So for Nottingham Forest to winch, like, be careful. Because now we will give you, we will give Nottingham Forest no grace the next time their guy moves the ball and it's not a proper corner. Don't be very, very careful what you go and ask for. Because what they say is, be careful what you ask for, because you might just get it. If Nottingham Forest complain, and they say, we want perfection. Because what they're saying is, they would like, um, they would like to know why he was allowed to move it, and why, why isn't it in the jurisdiction of, uh, essentially, VAR to be able to take a look at it. Because he moved it, and the wall was set, right? So him moving it sort of 30 to 50 centimeters gave him a better angle to bend it around the wall. I'm like, come on, guys. In football, if you've played football, how many times have we done this? The goalkeeper, uh, the foul will be, let's say, in the six-yard box. Next thing, he's taking the free kick on the edge of his own box. Like, come on. Offside happens. Let's say the offside will happen on the edge of the, the big box. And next thing, it's happening at the center line, right? They're, they're taking that, that half circle uh, by the center line. So, come on, guys. This happens all the time. It's just that even Tony scored. And now people say it led to a goal. Obviously, this goal was part of the three goals that beat Nottingham Forest, who may be getting a 10-point deduction. So I do feel what their pressure is. But this is what happens when you deal with outcomes and not the process. So VAR is wrong because the process is wrong. Fix your processes. Don't worry about outcomes. Good process, more often than not, eagles good outcome right now var they're making it up as they go along because there isn't a process there is no process the nfl even though they still get it wrong at least there's a process for every touchdown in the nfl it gets reviewed right for every interception right to see if it's a legal catch gets reviewed like what's the process with var like we don't know what is the process in a free kick are they checking that the wall is 10? By the way, the, te- the wall's never 10. Guys creep forward over the um, vanishing spray all the time. Nobody says anything about that. I have no Donning Forest complain about that. They complain about outcomes, but it's not their fault. It is VAR who are trying to create perfection with human beings at the wheel. There is a way to create perfection. Now, football fans will hate it within four or five years and will, will go away because... Part of the human drama and error is fantastic. Controversy is your friend in... Football's a soapy, guys. I say to ladies all the time, football is a soapy for dudes. I'm not saying women can't watch football. I'm saying girls often ask, why are you guys have sex with it? I can't believe you watch the game and then you go and watch half an hour afterwards and then you go and watch two hours the next day and then you go and read six articles about the same incident. I say, yeah, well... I mean, you buy Kim Kardashian's extensions and then watch her whole show. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with Kim Kardashian. There's, there's nothing wrong with Taylor Swift. 
Like, if you're into that stuff, it's, it's the soapy and the drama, right? That's what football is. Except it's unscripted. It's even better. It, it's what Kim Kardashian wishes she could do. This is unscripted. It's real life. It's real life drama with real life millionaires behaving in real time. With, with where nobody, I mean, it's, that's the dream, right? Remember when you could choose the ending when you were younger in a book? That's, that's what football is. Sport is, that's why it's the last watched live uh, entertainment in the world. And, and it's why the NFL is king and the Premier League is king, right? Nothing. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys lost um, to the Green Bay Packers last, year, last week. 40 million people in America watched that game. 40, the highest watched Game of Thrones episode was 10 million people. 40 million people watched the Dallas Cowboys. 40 million. The English Premier League has 1.2 billion viewers per weekend. Formula One has 800 million viewers a season. The Premier League has 1.2 billion viewers a weekend. Per weekend. Formula One has 800 million for the whole season. That's what we're talking about here. The difference in scale. There's more people this weekend that watch Formula, uh, the Premier League than watch Formula One the whole season. You must understand what we're talking about here. The Premier League must be careful to look for perfect. Perfect is boring. The ref is supposed to be an anti-hero. We're supposed to hate the referee. You need the instigator. The antagonist in a storyline. If, if you're doing, if you've written stories before, uh, if you've written, so it's simple writing technique: protagonist, antagonist. You must have both. And the referee's role in the pantomime we call football is to be that. Both sides need to hate the referee. It doesn't need to be perfect. It needs to be consistent. Fix the processes. And Nottingham Forest, shut up. What are they crying about? Do us a favor. Eh? Do us a favor. VAR did this, not Tony. I mean, it's just funny that Tony is banned for gambling for eight months and then he comes back and he's immediately in controversy. So I I can see how that upsets people. I kind of like it. It was clever. It's football. It's about winning and a massive three points for the bees. Terrific. Love to hear what you think. Is it Tony's fault? Is it VAR's fault? Did he cheat? People are saying he cheated. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, oh my goodness. Stop clutching your pearls. What are we doing? Cheated? By the power of Grayskull. Oh my goodness. Calm down. He didn't cheat. It happens all the time. David Beckham used to do it. Great free kick. I hope you have a great week this week. I have a very exciting week this week. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to be to being able to tell you about it. So let's hold thumbs that it goes well. I mean, I don't believe in luck, so I'm not holding thumbs. Don't hold thumbs. It's going to make no difference. I have to wake up and do the work in order to get, make sure I'm pitching correctly this week. So don't hold thumbs. I take back what I said. Don't hold thumbs. Luck doesn't exist. Just work. Work and, and find good people around you to support you and give you good information. That's how it works. That's how you become successful. Don't rely on luck. There is no luck. Nobody meets their wife because they're lucky. No. You've got to ask her. Husband. You've got to ask him. 
It's not lucky. Oh my God, you're so lucky with your husband. No, no, no. She went and spoke to the guy because she liked his personality and his behavior. And then now they're married. So that's how it works, Lucille. There, there is no luck. Get rid of that. Stop listening to girls that say, I'm a Scorpio, so I'm, I'm going to find a husband season or whatever nonsense it is. There is no luck. And Ivan Tony wasn't lucky. He was brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell out of here.